Hello and welcome back to The Story Goes with Mike O'Mara. I am the aforementioned Mike O'Mara. That'd be pretty weird if it was someone else here on the mic. Uh, and I am back today and I'm super excited because I'm here with someone who might be just as weird as I am. Um, and his name is Noah Genix. Say hello, Noah. Hello. And Noah uh, in, sports a lovely beard mm-hmm. and also uh, runs a puppet company, which I think is the coolest job in the world. So Noah, what's it like having the coolest job in the world? Uh, it's required that you uh, have a beard. If you is, it, is it required? <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> it's, well, it's, you know, if you run a puppet company, you have to have a beard. Uh, <laughs> so, the, you know, uh, one of the coolest things um, about uh, today for me, um, number one, I have a lovely iced coffee and it's delicious. But secondly, Noah is in my house and that's weird. Um, because the last time I saw Noah for any substantial amount of time, neither of us had a house that wasn't owned by our parents. Neither of us had a beard. Um, and neither of us had a puppet company. Well, maybe Noah had a puppet company that I didn't know about. And you had kind of a beard on like sort of your whole body. I still have kind of a beard on my whole body, which is a problem with my descent. But um, but here we are, um, and it is almost 20 years yeah. since we've seen each other. And um, I thought that maybe 20 years was a good enough time <laughs> between talking <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so that we could catch up. So I think um, today's podcast is probably going to have a lot to do um, on the theme of kind of like reunion and also like what the hell have you been doing the last two decades and stuff like that. So um, I couldn't pick a more interesting person I think to do that with uh, I, I've seen some of your YouTube work Noah um, it's filled with felt creatures yeah. um, and I'm excited by this so um, as listeners of this show know um, I start the conversation usually by saying um, tell me something um, about your life something that changed you something that influenced you something that kind of gave you a new perspective and we kind of go from there so Noah, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here and I'm going to take a sip of iced coffee and I want you to tell me a story um, well when you had asked me what day I wanted to record this I um, without knowing that you were going to ask that question I specifically picked uh, today May 16th mm-hmm. um, because today I'm going to try and get through this without tearing up, uh, is the 28th anniversary of the day Jim Henson died. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, And so that um, is the first thing that changed my life uh, Mm. to the point where I don't remember what it was or would have been Mm -hmm. without that influence. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Throughout the rest of my life, every uh, relationship that I've had mm-hmm. that lasted, that was of my choice and that lasted anywhere longer than, you know, um, a week or whatever, uh, sure. was influenced by a mutual, I, I don't want to say worship, but because it would make it... Creepy? Yeah. But it is a bit of a religious thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, there... There's a lot of people that have religious and iconic imagery up on their walls of sure. a skinny guy with a beard who died way before he should have. Sure. Um, John Lennon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have that too. 
that's my wife's side of the Luke Skywalker wall. <laughs> is John at the piano uh, sure. in the Dakota, and then on my side, it's you know stained glass windows of uh, Jim Henson. Hmm. Um, and so every relationship I've had has been influenced by that. And mm-hmm. um, I uh, somebody else uh, that we went to high school with, mm-hmm. um, Tom Zeitner. Mm-hmm. Um, I started hanging out with him uh, in towards the end of high school, um, and then after high school, I had pretty much no friends uh, that were outside of school. Like in mm-hmm. my regular life, I went home and I um, was with my family because who you know your friends growing up are decided either by school or by who your parents hang out with. Right. Um, so Tom was the first one. I think uh, my mom liked the fact that she could trust me with his mom. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and they lived, like we lived at Irving and uh, Pulaski. Okay. And uh, he lived at Irving and Western. So like that, it was real easy to like say, sure, you can take one bus. (laughs) Right. Like just go right over there. The one bus city rule. Exactly. So um, for those... uh, what was it? Four years between eighteen and twenty-two. Mm-hmm. I basically, uh, I would say, I daytimed at Tom's house and I eveninged at my house. <laughs> like you moonlighted back yeah, home. Yeah. yeah uh, there were many days, in fact, where I just didn't go home and I yeah. was just there for you know however many hours. And it it was through his our mutual uh, love of. Muppets, and then through that, through Tom, I found uh, Bare Naked Ladies. I mm-hmm. found um, the theater uh, company that I joined and influenced mm. the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And then, without that, and uh, I wouldn't have had the confidence or the contacts to make all the connections that I made for the rest of uh, up until now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. When I was um, 28, mm-hmm. I uh, a friend of mine had introduced me to an improviser in Phoenix that he knew. Okay. Who he knew was really into puppetry. So, um, and at that time, uh, time, at that time. <laughs> it did, time. Uh, there wasn't. There, there was Facebook, but it wasn't what it is now. No. You know? And no. so, like. It was the Facebook still. Right, yeah messaging people back and forth was hard right. uh and so he said there was this woman in phoenix named stacy and right. uh, you're both into puppetry so you probably hit it off really well and so i started talking to her and that turned into one morning i we had been up all night talking me in chicago her in phoenix okay uh, and then the next morning very early she called me mm-hmm. i had a kermit the frog phone and it never rang except for people who were wanting money for credit cards or was that like the bat cave <laughs> kind of it was it, it was a cave it was i lived in a shithole uh can i swear on this podcast? oh we oh, can sure. fucking swear all yeah, you okay, want okay great uh, i lived in a uh, a tiny uh carpeted shithole and uh at belmont and clark oh okay like, yeah. on the corner sure yeah um across from the pumpkin donuts mm-hmm. um and like the phone rang and i was like it's the kermy frog exactly and so i answered it and i was like hello 
<laughs> you know, almost angry. Like, yeah. And she said, hi, no, it's Stacy Gordon from Phoenix. Um, I was like, I've never heard your voice before, yeah. you know. Uh, she's like, uh, so Dave Goals, who played Gonzo on The Muppets, uh-huh. um, is coming to Phoenix uh-huh. at the end of the month. Um, you should come here and stay with me and my family and uh we'll go to the exhibit go see gonzo yeah go see gonzo because he was leading a a tour through this jim henson exhibit jesus and that's cool yeah it was this like private tour that you know that's really cool it was amazing um but uh sight unseen and having not met in person she opened up her whole life to me you know like it's pretty trusting it was incredibly trusting and i didn't even think about it longer than to think i have free plane tickets from this thing that i had to cancel wow uh might as well had no attachments here you know i was single at the time and i yeah it's like uh yeah yeah uh, absolutely right so um i spent the next three weeks uh just trying to raise up a little bit of money so I could, you know, uh, eat or whatever while I was gone. Sure. Um, and then I stuffed all of my clothes inside of my puppets. <laughs> and I As one does. In, and I put them in a box and I shipped them to oh, okay, Phoenix. Yeah. Okay. Because I didn't want to pay sure. know, baggage fees. Sure. Um, and so when I got there, they were all waiting there. And we spent three or four days just bonding like mm-hmm. a, the relationship that I had with Tom was always, uh, we were, still are, uh, very much brothers like, mm-hmm. by choice. Uh, mm-hmm. And I would say the same thing about Stacy. Like she, I think of her as my uh, older sister that I don't, you know, never got. Mm-hmm. Um, You're an only kid? Uh, no, I have two older actual brothers. Oh, okay. So yeah. you, oh, okay. So, um, but they... Uh, one is seven years older and the other one is four years older. So okay. there was a lot of time where we were all together, mm-hmm. obviously. But as you start to get older, like the difference between 14 and 18 is it's huge. huge. Yeah. And so for a lot of those formative years, I was by myself in my room imagining. You, you were the baby, right? Yeah, yeah, I was the baby. And um, and so they're like, I'm going to go score drinks and girls and you're like i'm gonna play with this well pig. Uh, i <laughs> i a lot of that was uh you know other i don't don't know what they were doing but i would come uh home from school having heard about all these people who were scoring and getting right. drinks and you know everything and i would just uh get real angry about them you know you get angry them, about the fact uh, about the other kids at uh at uh school that i knew were you know going to parties and whatnot mm. uh, were and, you angry jealous or angry like moralistic oh definitely jealous jealous was, okay yeah, yeah no i have you're like i want to score all the parties <laughs> yeah okay I, um all i got is this pig and this right. chameleon thing yeah exactly i uh <laughs> i i was never angry uh about morals okay okay i just didn't <laughs> no, i just no, wanted to clarify yeah it's um, fine if you were. I just no, I, and like that is that's not what Jim would want. It well, <laughs> oh well, we can talk later about how he was also never oh yeah about morals. I don't know uh, that much about him, so that's cool. Um, 
but one of the interesting things about doing this now with you is that we haven't like we weren't really friends uh, no you know, in I, high school uh, no friendly but like yeah and we went in the same sort of circle yes sort of, but and i don't know what they call that circle nowadays without being insulting to my i mean i can certainly be insulting to myself but sure. like i guess we were all weird yeah oh yeah definitely I mean, like, there's nothing wrong with being weird. No, either. I no, I I revel in it. I love yeah. it. But like, I like, like looking back, I for me, high school is mostly a blur because I I purposefully, um, kind of hid from everyone until mm-hmm. senior year, and then senior year was like really weird. I don't know whether it was like hormones for me or whether it was like, uh, fuck it, you're gonna be gone anyways. But like my personality completely changed, but only senior year. Um, the rest of the time, I just remember hiding and running, and and I don't remember you before senior year either. You know? I do, because I don't I don't remember me. I think I didn't exist. Like, how can you be six foot three and two hundred fifty pounds and not exist? But like, I I hid somehow. I hid in the back of every class and everything, and I just ran home and sat in my room and drew comics and wrote poems, and that's basically what I did. One of the great things about Facebook is that like, I since then I have learned a lot about who you are in reality and who mm. like the actual person that you know like is just uh this you know musical person who yeah runs a school that is amazing and you all constantly have students uh, uh praising you and like uh yeah you love them and I, they love I, you and it's amazing I, I do i do um but let's talk about um okay so let's so yeah go back cuz i uh, lost my train of thought yeah so um so so you talk about a couple you've talked thus far about a couple formative relationships you talked about sure. tom mm-hmm. um and uh how like what did what am i trying to say here like what did that what did it mean to have someone that like was it a thing where like you both did you and Tom when you were younger like mm-hmm. revel in like the the like the weirdness of that those things that you were in like um was it like we are the counterculture or was it like we just happen to like this stuff that a lot of people don't like so I didn't even think about it in terms of any of that uh, it's just what like, you were into I the reason I uh honestly the reason i fell in love with tom mm-hmm. is because he made me giggle mm-hmm. in a way that i didn't realize was possible hmm. you know like in a way that i didn't that nobody outside of my family ever knew the references that mm-hmm. i was uh you know that i knew and also uh he made me think about things in a way I never had before. Like, mm. um So explain. Uh there was one day when we were sitting in the dining hall. Mm-hmm. Um like that half finished terrible concrete. They took all our parents' money and <laughs> and now the school that we went to is like literally fucking gold. Yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> paved with our tears. Right. Um, and he was wearing a costume, um, probably I'm going to say Ash from the Evil Dead. Like he had fake blood on him 
I think. And, <laughs> you think it was fake? Well, I because there's two different stories that I may be conflating, and I can't remember. Uh, there was. I did not have sex in front of a blind man. What? <laughs> I mean, just to clarify again. That's and that's the title of this. Uh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> the title of this whole podcast oh. now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Clearing my name. <laughs> um, and he wasn't supposed to be wearing this costume, mm-hmm. and so Dean Tracy came over <laughs> and tried to <laughs> remove. Oh well, no! Uh, gave him uh, detention. Sure. Uh, and. Or tried to get him to remove it. And right. he said, what's going to happen if I don't? And <laughs> We're going to fight. And like I'm sitting there watching this. Yeah. Being, you know, the good kid that I was. But I'm like, Tom, take... You know, Just like, do what he says, right? right. Yeah. And he was like, what, what's going to happen if I don't take this off? And uh, I don't even know if it was Tracy or not. Whoever it was said, well, then you're going to get detention. <laughs> and I saw Tom say then I guess you're going to have to give me detention. <laughs> and that was the first time I'd ever experienced anyone... Just stand up to authority like yeah. that? Even though, as a kid, my grandfather ha- had a t-shirt that said, Question Authority, and I gave me a child-sized one. That's so awesome. Wear, you know, As a four-year-old... That's pretty awesome. Wearing a shirt that said, Question Authority, and I'm only now realizing that that's what my daughter's doing now, and I am... Like you know, and now you're the authority. Continuously pissed off at her. You've become the man. <laughs> um, but so he was. I guess he was counterculture a little bit, uh, Tom. It seems like it. Um, no one goes to the high school we went to in a fucking Ash versus the Evil Dead costume and not be counterculture. Like, come on. And like, I had never considered that there was a reality past the punishment. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. that, that was like, like doom. That was right. it. Um. And so that coupled with like the Muppet thing where he knew all these references that I knew coupled mm-hmm. with like he got me into Bare Naked Ladies. Uh, and so I was listening to them. But then he was like, hey, there's this one song. They had an album called Rock Spectac mm-hmm. where um, at the beginning of If I Had a Million Dollars, they he was like, listen to this song. And they started playing it. And then inside of that song, they started playing a different song of theirs. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was like, wait a second. What is going on in my world is like, you know, folding in on itself. Meta. Right. And I didn't know at the time that they just do that in Million Dollars all the time. Mm. Uh, I was like, they're playing one of their songs inside another one of their songs. And he looked at me. He was like, yeah, this is the shit you love. Right. right? You're the kid that got excited that Urkel was on Full House, you know? Like, <laughs> Crossover! Right. And that, and still, to Tom's annoyance, that is my favorite kind of, like, cameo or sure. something, you know? Sure. Um, and so he made me, he opened up my entire world to all these different uh, experiences in, like, comedy and uh, mm-hmm. music mm-hmm. and... Um, like, I didn't know that anybody else besides my family knew Monty Python. And oh, my I God. And to Tom's house, and we stayed up all night like, yeah. with a big party. Yeah. Um, and, like, we were writing movies and writing songs. We were in a band together for five years. That's like cool. it, He... I don't have the relationship uh, 
that I have with him with anyone else. Like mm-hmm. he knows more about me than than my family, than my friends, than uh, my wife to a certain extent. Like mm-hmm. it. Um. And. Uh, I don't want to know what I would be like, <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for him. Yeah. And, um. So, yeah, like, he is the main, I guess, more than Jim Henson, mm-hmm. even a little bit. He is, the, like, the main influence on uh, my life, which he would uh, scoff at and uh, mm-hmm. probably want to apologize for, but not <laughs> actually apologize mm-hmm. for. <laughs> um, no, that's beautiful, though. Like, yeah. A lot of people don't, you know, a lot of people go through life and it's just like, yeah, I've got a couple of friends here and I got a couple of work friends and I got to, you know, do this on the weekends or whatever. But like, as we get older, right. um, you realize that like a lot of that bullshit doesn't really matter. Yeah. And it's maybe one or two or three, if you're lucky, you know, like people that really know you they don't just know the facebook you or like this is the best version of you that you decide to put in the media or the best version of your work or whatever they know you when you're like what the fuck am i doing right like i feel crazy for wanting to do what i want to do with life or like they know you when you can't pay your bills and Mm -hmm. you know and that's that's and we both had you know experiences like that where we don't where we just crumble and then we go to the other person the only i remember very specifically uh um, we had a huge fight. You and Tom? Yeah, at okay. one point. And there was a period of time where we also went like two and a half years without talking. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but way before that, like we had a huge fight and I remember standing on the stairs in his basement mm-hmm. uh, crying, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, saying, where am I supposed to go right now? When I feel like this, I always come here. Wow. You know, and... And I think at that point, like, I went back down the stairs and we hugged or something. I I don't know. Um, You blacked out. It was too much. There's many parts of my life that I just don't remember at all. Mm, Um, Interesting. Yeah. uh, Which, as I I get older, Mm -hmm. um, I'm starting to worry about those memories just going away and not, you know, like having any buddy to remember mm-hmm. my specific mm-hmm. version of whatever it is well that's why i mean like we can get to that in a second but like that's why art is so great right mm-hmm. like it's a, another reason why art is so great is like you know i um write scripts i write mostly musicals um these days because of where i work and and what i you know what i want to do with my school and things like that but um you can't avoid putting yourself into the things that you create right yeah. and I'm so thankful for um, especially my students, my students who are like, you know, in high school now or maybe in college now, you know, because I there that part of my life is so murky for me. There's so much emotion there. There's a bunch of stuff that I'm sure will take the rest of my life to kind of sort out Mm -hmm. in my head. But like I can put that into characters and then they that part lives forever and then i go back and read that later and i'm like oh okay well that helps me figure it out you know i have uh, this i don't know if it's a problem or not but like (laughs) i uh in writing songs unless Mm -hmm. it's something that 
it's for something specific or it's for someone else mm-hmm. or uh, like all the songs that I write, I can't uh, write about characters. I write about actual things that have actually happened to me. Right, sure. Um, uh, and to that point, my this you know five songs or whatever that I uh, feel the strongest about mm-hmm. are all about real relationships with women that I uh, most of them I'm still friends with. <laughs> you oh. know, so like, well, that's nice. It uh, and friends, you know, uh, there were a lot of terrible episodes of Friends. <laughs> there uh, were. <laughs> uh, there are uh, there are a few good. You know, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, some of the relationships are you know better than others, but I'm sure. Um, but yeah, like I, I have written stuff and people, you know, hear it and they say, well, maybe like the guy in the song could do this other thing because yeah. it would fit the rhythm more. And I'm like, was like, but but I didn't, but I didn't, and this is about me, and, right? You know, like, yeah. Uh, and uh, that's another way that. Uh, Tom has influenced me because he has absolutely no time for uh, the stuff of mine that is um, inauthentic, inauthentic, uh, or like just uh, shitty, or um, <laughs> like I did. Is there an objective shitty though, or is it all subjective? Well, He's usually right. Is, is there like a God mind shitty well, out there where the universe is like? <laughs> I did a long time ago. I did a uh, a cover mm-hmm. of uh, there's a Moxie Frubis song mm-hmm. um, called King of Spain. Okay, um, and it's an acapella thing, and it's like just their voices and a shaker or something. Um, sure. And I did a not only a cover but like a pretty exact copy of it mm-hmm. um, to the point where halfway through the engineer. I was like, can we listen to the original track? And he said, no. <laughs> I threw it out. Just listen to yourself. You right, know? sure. Um, and I played it. I was really excited about it. And I played it for Tom. And he may have actually just gone... <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh, because I didn't do anything with it. I didn't do anything interesting. I just It's karaoke instead of a cover. Exactly. Yeah. Very, yeah. Right. Um, and... So in that sort of way, like if it isn't up to standards, which he knows that I am capable of, mm. he'll be like, well, this sucks, <laughs> you know, and, but then the stuff that is really, uh, you know, deep and mm-hmm. beautiful, mm-hmm. Um, he's like, that. Yeah, this is an amazing song, you hmm. know, like, um, and in that way, it's been really his, you know. Uh, lack of tact, <laughs> I'll say, um, has been really wonderful. Uh, well, that's the stuff that really moves you ahead, right? Yeah, and that that's what helps, and that's how I know that he is, that we are as tight as we are, because, you know, a lot of other friends I have just be like, hey, that's really good, or, you know, like... Right, because they don't want to hurt your feelings because they're your friend. Right, but also they don't they, they don't really care, you know, like... Or maybe, yeah. Uh, hey, that's great. Now I'm going to go back to the other thing I was talking about, you know. Right, right, right. <clears throat> it's uh, the friends that you find for life are the friends that will argue with you on something that you made because it's not as good as it could be. They know? know how good you can be. Right. And um, I only 
am, you know, patting myself on the back that much because I am able to, because other people have, uh, my wife accuses me a lot of needing external validation for everything. And I don't, I don't know any artist that doesn't need well, that. Yeah. I think that's why we do it. Right. That's, that, that is why we do like, that's why I'm a puppeteer and an artist and a musician is because I don't want people looking at me. If they're looking at the fuzzy thing on yeah. the end of my hand, yeah. then look at this know, thing I, I made. Tell me it's great. Uh, right. Because right. then in that way you're telling me I'm great, but you're not telling me, right. You're telling the puppet <laughs> yeah. or the song or the play or whatever. Uh, a long time ago, um, Stephen page, uh, from bare naked ladies mm-hmm. went to see Brian Wilson, mm. uh, play a show. And they opened with the bare naked ladies song, Brian Wilson. Yeah. Um. Uh, when I told Tom that he was like, uh, "Did they? Did he go lying in bed just like me?" Yeah, right. <laughs> but at that show, Steve was like, "I didn't know whether to to stand on my chair and say I wrote this, or to hide underneath my chair and go like, ah, you yeah, know, it was fucking Brian Wilson, right? There. Right. And he's performing a song that, about I mean, about yeah. himself that I wrote. You know, like um, that's a mess. It was a mess. <laughs> um." Everyone is a mess. Brian yes. Wilson's a mess. Steve Page is a mess. Like it, yeah, that is the wonderful thing about art and artists is that we are all such a mess. And yeah, that like finding the beauty despite and because of the mess mm-hmm. is how you find your audience. Like <laughs> your audience and yourself and yeah. how they find themselves and the whole reason for doing it. Right? Because yeah. if we were all if. If life is perfect, there's no good stories, right? Right. Like, there's no, if there's no villain, even if the villain is yourself and in your head, like, there's no hero's journey because there's nowhere to fucking journey. Right. Like, if everything's just perfect, life sucks. Like, life is boring. And uh, I'm not going to touch this subject at all, but like okay. that to a certain extent, that's what is so uh, annoying about Cosby. Because he oh God, spent yeah. his whole career yeah. being like, "Hey, look at this!" I'm, you know, like, blah, 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 while over <laughs> here not that bad. doing this other thing that was terrible. <laughs> like if he had early on yeah. just embraced one side of them, you know, like everybody has darkness, everybody has horrible things that they think about, you right. know, like pretending to be perfect, this morally upstanding. You know, like yeah. father figure, Ugh. while on the you know over here doing this other thing, like yeah, that's terrible. It, yeah, it, uh, and I grew up like it, because he was so family friendly and because he was so oh, everyone's family, family like, watched him, right? And like that's all we watched yeah. was the Cosby Show yeah. and the Muppets and yeah. the, you know, like, uh. And the Beatles. Sure. None of them are uh, perfect. It turns out that some no. of them are far less perfect than they pretended to be. But the problem is that they ever pretended to be. Right. You know, like. Right. And in that way made other more or less normal people in their audience feel worse that they weren't perfect. When they could have yeah. embraced the fact that all of us are kind of messed up at least kind of messed up. And some of us are more messed up than kind of. And I, I'm not going to say anything about like any thing he did was right at all. No, it was not. If 
at the beginning he had gone out and said, hey, I'm into uh, drugging people to the point where they can't move and then having sex with them. <laughs> Could you imagine that comedy album? <laughs> Bill Cosby presents, I'm into drugging people until they can't move and then having sex with them. That would be a real hard sell at CBS. Well, at CBS, yes, but... <laughs> Like maybe I can't believe make the, it. The reality of like sexual dynamics is that there are some people out there who are into that. You know, <laughs> like I I would assume, yeah. Like you know, if you just look at Reddit, it, like <laughs> the internet is filled with people who are into that. Who you know? I mean, uh, you could look at Reddit and find someone who wants to eat part of your leg. You know, sure, but. I'm not endorsing that, by the way. No, I'm not either. But like, there are some people who do endorse that, and those people have beautiful relationships. Yeah, they should like, find each other, yeah, eat each other's legs. This is what I'm saying. Like, the fact that he was into that is not the problem. It's the fact that he he did it to people it who to weren't people into who it. Weren't yeah, you know, and then like hid that for so long. Right. You know. Right. Because. Uh, he was a comedic genius. Yeah, there were really good parts to him. Yeah, they were amazing parts to him. And as he, like, he was so talented in that venue that, like, it's the power thing. Mm, you that's, know, yeah, as yeah. he surrounded himself with more and more and more and more people who just said yes, man. yes yeah. like, that's how you get to the point where Michael Jackson is taking 500 pills a day, you know. And like yeah. all this stuff, and um, it or Prince or any of them. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah, and you have uh, it's the good outweighing the bad, or the bad outweighing the good. Um, mm-hmm. Because going back to Jim, mm-hmm. he was. <clears throat> The thing that I love most about him is that he was a human and he was uh, very flawed and he, I I don't see my interest in him as being an obsession mm-hmm. uh, because I see the terrible mm. parts about him and I... Um, is it a I, bit of a cautionary tale for you, parts I, of it? No. No? redemption like because the the important parts are that like there's still people that he's been gone for 28 years mm-hmm. and there's still people who he worked with for a long time that tear up when they talk about him because they knew all the bad parts too mm-hmm. and like a friend of mine recently um uh had a heart attack and died um, oh wow and, sorry uh it uh in his in the time since i have struggled to like figure out how i feel about it but what i think it comes down to is he was by no means a perfect person mm-hmm. and was uh a lot of people didn't like him hmm. uh, because of things he did mm-hmm. um but as Jim Henson said in his goodbye letter, because he knew mm-hmm. he was going. Yeah, I've read that. That's tough. Uh, it's a good life. Enjoy it. Uh, you know, um, take care of the people around you. Love every minute you can. Right. Um, 
And then he said, this all seems, may seem silly and over the top, but what the hell, I'm gone and you can't argue with me. You know, like... Right, so I win. Right. So you just have to... Either you go on carrying the hate... Sure. Or you remember them for the good person they were. And, right. Um, and so without discounting any of the bad things about my friend or about Jim or about any of these people that are gone, mm-hmm. you say, yes, there was that bad part, but like there was also this amazing part and everybody is flawed and everybody is going through shit. And sure. You know, like, um, and the fact that Jim used his power for so much good is like what I think everybody chooses to remember. Like he was trying to change the, he did change the world. Yeah, he he did. And that was his goal was to leave the world a better place than than it was when he found it. Sure. Um, And like, if it were just the show, if it were just Sesame street without the puppets like Mm -hmm. it would not be in every country doing co-productions in a like you know 17 or 18 different co-productions around the world right you know um whereas if you look at somebody (laughs) terrible i keep coming back to cosby that's okay uh, but like (laughs) uh he was trying to get attention off of the fact that he was <laughs> raping all these people mm-hmm. yeah by uh so he had to invest more and more money into like uh setting up all these uh charities and yeah you right know, like all this stuff and i it, it just seems like it was all part of the con Right. I mean, he was setting up all these things. He made himself too big to fail, in quotes, instead of admitting, sometimes I fail, but there's also this about me that maybe you can like, you know. And that's part of why I like the Muppets so much is because they, um, and everything Jim does, like, he did fail. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, a lot of people say that his last failure was Labyrinth, and it killed him eventually Hmm. because he like um he didn't live long enough to see it being enjoyed to the to the level that it is now yeah become a cult classic and all that exactly um but even just on the muppets like you have this beauty and this art and this togetherness of like the final number when everybody's you know singing and dancing and you know but like all the way through that you have people being eaten you have things being blown up <laughs> yeah they had two pianos uh in the studio one was a steinway that was beautifully tuned all the time and kept you know like in perfect condition yeah for the guest stars and for all their music and then they had like a shitty yeah. baldwin yeah. that was like rolf's <laughs> piano smash that piano they, yeah yeah and they never tuned it and it said fake Steinway on it. That's you know, awesome. Like, and so that's the, that's the music that I grew up listening to. So sure. like, it's this, uh, mixture of the amazing, mm-hmm. but the, you know, like also if, if it was ever perfect, it wasn't Muppets. Like, right. Uh, sure. 
And part of their like charm is that they're always fucking up, right? Like right. they they always try to put together a like a massive uh, uh, a Hollywood star studded thing, and then they always screw up, and like someone throws pots and pans and fish and shit. Right, exactly. It's and, the best, and that's how you. And acknowledging that is how you succeed, right? Uh, at least in my opinion, like right in my when I do uh, shows, mm-hmm. I if something goes wrong, I call it out on stage because. To pretend that it isn't there would be asinine. You right. Know? Like, I just did a show this weekend, um, and it was the first time we had done this particular show before because we, the people I do the show with, are all busy and sure. you know, like we didn't have any time to rehearse. But our individual talents were enough where I knew that something's going to happen. Yeah, and so. All through the show, we were like stepping on scripts, yeah, and, sure. you know, like uh, dragging, um, put, having props up on, you know, on the playboard uh, <laughs> for you know, like uh, Simple Simon's pies were still up there during, you know, old King Cole or whatever, and like, but the audience doesn't care, no, right, and they care even less, and they love it more if you are like, you know, what are these pies still doing here? You know, right, like, yeah, you acknowledge the fuck-ups. Right? Exactly. Um, and... It, people love blooper reels, you know? People yeah. love Hamlet, but people love Hamlet fucking up and laughing at it even right. more. Yeah. Because that's our life. And like, that, our, you know? Exactly. And that's part of what I loved from the beginning about everything, like Muppets, uh, Tom, uh, bare naked ladies. Like, mm-hmm. uh, there is nothing more fun than watching uh, a bare naked ladies show, and Ed can't sing one week because he's laughing at somebody in the audience who's mm-hmm. you know trying to see around a tall person in, right, you right, know, right. in front of them. Um, like, that's the best stuff to me. Is the mm-hmm. stuff that is is flawed mm-hmm. so speaking of flaws if, yeah, yeah. if i may please um so we've we've talked a lot not not to say that either of us is like bill cosby because <laughs> again we are not um but we've been speaking a lot today about um how sometimes the dark stuff is the stuff that actually brings out the best in people or yeah. at least the most authentic thing. So if you're comfortable with it, yeah. um, I'd like to talk maybe a little bit if you have um, a story or a thought on what maybe are some of the dark things that you work through in your own life that, that influence your work and your life or that inspire you. Or, you know, if there's anything like that that you feel like you have to either had to get through or if you feel like you're still in it something that you have to work with all the time um probably the biggest one is a like constant um crippling fear about the natural end of my life (laughs) not even like whoa (laughs) yeah not even worrying that i'm gonna get hit by a bus or not even worrying that like if i do this i might die like just just death in general knowing the fact that life doesn't last forever and the fact that none of this matters because eventually Hmm. i'm not gonna be here to see it and i like all of this will just go away you know okay it's a it's a that's an incredibly self-centered 
you know point of view but but it is but it is my reality and i these eyes are the only ones that i have to look out of mm-hmm. i would love it if i could see things from somebody else's you know like just shift my body into somebody else mm-hmm. um but um i'm not and like so that is like a constant nagging nagging yeah so is it kind of like a um so when you sit down to create something new whether you're crafting a new show or making a new promo video or music whatever is this is is it like a nihilistic uh anti-angel on your shoulder that says like who gives a fuck is it that sometimes yeah so it's like why are you doing this like right yeah like sometimes and it's the point like when i get caught in that loop and i get into a panic attack Mm. then i let's talk about panic attacks (laughs) uh sure (laughs) I mean, if you're okay with it. Yeah, that's fine. I um, hope I don't have one while we're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Okay, go ahead. I mean, go no, ahead. What yeah. happened? To, explain to me what happens like if you're in a project and then you start thinking the the whole the whole death thing comes up. And oh. you're like, oh, great. Now I got to think about death again. And then you're thinking uh, none of this fucking matters. And what, like, what happens then? Uh, then I have to... Is it like Inception where like the walls start like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, a bit, yeah. Okay. And um, to that point, um, uh, Stacy, the friend that I was talking about mm-hmm. earlier, um, is really good at like I can just message her. Uh, Be like I'm freaking out? Because yeah, because Facebook is how I talk to people all the time. And so okay. I just, you know, I just message her and be like, hey, just sit here with me for a little while you know? i mean that's cool that you um, have someone you could do that you know and uh or if uh my wife is awake um mm-hmm. not to say that she sleeps all the time but these things usually <laughs> happen uh if my wife who is the ice monster from the cave in empire strikes back wakes up uh <laughs> wampa wampa don't you wampa wampa uh, uh, you, I only say that to to clarify that these things usually only happen uh, very late at night. When I oh, it's never a good time. Never a good yeah. time to have time to think. Um, the like, if she's awake, then like, uh, I'll just she can tell. Mm-hmm. But uh, you tense up. She helped. Yeah, and. Uh, it's gone further than tensing up before. Um, there was a point um, in 2013. Um, it was in January, uh, so we weren't near having Maggie yet. But um, okay. Oh, sorry uh, for the listeners. Maggie's your daughter. Yes. Yeah, she's four and a half. She's four and a half. Um, and uh, I think because of her, because of the uh, upcoming responsibility that i was wholly unprepared for that's gotta freak people yeah um i started having panic attacks about the you know natural end of human life um and there was a night when i was uh clawing at the bed and trying to you know uh scoot myself backwards uh in time um wow yeah uh and it was. Did it work? Terrible. 
you wake up, it's like 2008. Like, right. shit, I did it. <laughs> I run around telling everybody, go to New York. Find that awful tower. Get a Tempur-Pedic. <laughs> Invest in the Facebook. <laughs> Bitcoin. Put something in Trump's soup. Right, exactly. Uh, uh, you can cut that part out. I don't nah, that's totally fine. Coming on after me. <laughs> it's totally fine. Um, <laughs> My guest next week actually is Donald Trump, so there you go. Well, I'll wait and then give him a hug <laughs> and everything will just be fine. So anyways, you try. <laughs> I, I think he may have just never had a hug. Yeah, I think that is probably the problem. Yeah. Um. So, okay, so you oh, so, yeah. are freaking out, trying right. to get through time. Doesn't work. It doesn't work. Uh, Option two. <laughs> Right, and and that's basically where my wife came in, where, uh, like, instead of, like, trying to console me through it, she just smacked the bed and said, okay, we're done. Let's go in the other room. Wow. <laughs> and Did it work? Yeah. It, it like, the, at a certain point, there's only shock that can bring you out of something like that. You know? Sure, sure. And um, it was happening a lot right then, and it continued... Um, into uh i went to new york mm-hmm. um and was staying with uh adam harrington mm-hmm. uh, who uh, we also went to high school with that's true um and it happened in his apartment again mm-hmm. and did he smack you did everyone's fucking smack you for a couple no, years n- <laughs> <laughs> it's no and the last time that it had happened was Almost 10 years previous, where oh. I was standing at the sink in my apartment. I was all alone. I was doing yeah. dishes. And, yeah. like, uh, John Ritter had just died yeah. um, unexpectedly. And, like, I started having, you know, a panic attack. And uh, mm-hmm. it w- was always... I always would fight it by trying to move backwards. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna way, I'm gonna know, get like, away from this. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and at that point, uh, it was Tom who, like, I posted about it on Live Journal. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we are old. Yes, officially. Uh, and then he commented on that, saying like, like. The only way that you can get around, like, obsessing about this for the rest of your life is just by creating stuff and by, like, there's shit you can do about it. Mm. So, yeah, right. So just make do with the time you have left. And it's not like you're going to die next Tuesday. You know, like, just you have a long time. And the big thing you can't control is the only thing you can't control. Right. And so just be here and do stuff. Right. Because all you got is right now. Right. All you got is this moment. So you can freak out or not. Right. And so that, more than anything, um, calmed me. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's uh, like that, what you just said about um, all you have is right now is how I live mm-hmm. because and it, it's created a lot of problems in, in my relationship with my wife because like mm-hmm. 
she is forever planning for mm-hmm. the future and you know like there's some very real planning that has to be done for mm-hmm. you know education and whatnot and mm-hmm. like i you're like but what if we're dead then i'm gonna live right now right like <laughs> i i don't even think that far i just think okay but i have to pick up maggie from school in 20 minutes you know like i like i mean i'm focused on the now and i mean in, in a way that's very zen right that's what eastern a lot of eastern <laughs> thought would tell us to do exactly what they would that's, tell us to do that is a very positive way of looking at it. <laughs> or you could say you're just shirking all your responsibilities. Right, the yeah. West, the Western, the traditional American yeah. Western mindset would be like, "Come on, fucker! Like invest money and right. think about 25 years from now." No, but I'm right with you. I think that there's something, there's something about existential dread that drives artists and that keeps us uh, upright, that keeps us going yeah. into the next day, and it has to be rooted in what is my project right now what is the thing i have to do right now because if i stop and i think about what is this project going to mean or where am i going to be at the end of it then i'm going to start freaking out because i'm going to start thinking about how it's going to be received or how i'm going to receive it or like what happens after this then like what does this all matter like is anyone going to come to the show why does the show even exist who the fuck cares and then like that's it and then you're off to the races and you know for me i you know i it takes me back 20 years now and I'm like why didn't I just listen to my parents and become a doctor you know they were doctors why didn't I just fucking become a doctor yeah but I didn't you know I didn't because I'm crazy because there's a part of me that like you know like you know we went to a, a high school where it's like at least in my memory every kid that was my age like knew what they were gonna do like halfway through freshman year and I was like what am I doing at this school like I have no interest (laughs) in half of these classes like I have no I don't want to be my parents I don't want to be like my parents friends I didn't you know like I was weird and it wasn't until like almost the end of high school like when we had all these college counselors talking to us all the fucking time they're like well what do you want to do I was like look I don't know right and then one of them was like well what gets you up every day and I was like well music Uh uh-huh and that's about it, you know. Mu- at that time, it was like music and comic books and like yeah. you know movies, and and they were like, "Well, it looks like you're going to be some kind of artist." And I was like, "Yeah, I guess," you know. But um, I, I just went to the reunion uh, a couple weeks ago. I would have gone. I had a show. Um, also, they charged for it. Yes, they did, and I didn't pay. Nice. And I went anyway. You snuck in. Me and Liz Lux. That's awesome. <laughs> and. Like, that reaction is what we got times three or five or whatever from everyone we met. Like, Which is what? Which was like, you didn't pay? <laughs> and we were just like, no. Nah. We just walked in. Like, Nice. I should have. Well, I had a show anyways. Well, you know, you here is the entirety of the reunion. There was booze and there was talking to people you haven't seen in 20 years and i don't even drink so it's like yeah like they didn't need my money (laughs) uh and the people that you still talk to you still talk to them and like you know there there are yeah everybody else it's like hey what have you been doing real estate great great i do not care (laughs) (laughs) and i we spend the entire night saying there are two humans whose opinions matter to me and i already talked to them and one of them is my wife and the other one is asleep <laughs> and that's my daughter like everybody else can fuck off cuz like yeah i 
And that's probably a lot of hiding. Like, I could have used that opportunity to make connections with people, sure. you know. But, like, I already have a lot of connections with people, you know. Right, like, right. And the people that I enjoyed talking to 20 years ago, I either am still, you know, in very close contact with, uh, in Facebook contact with, or, like, I saw them then, <laughs> uh, you know, at the reunion, and that's fine. Yeah. It's not like I don't, you know, don't want to see them, but, I, like, yeah. the next time I see Leanne Cosmala, she's going to be pretty much the same as she was at the reunion, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, we'll all just be older. Yeah, like that's the only that's what happens. We just get older, you know. Like, and I, uh, even in the middle of it, I Facetimed with Tom, mm-hmm. uh, who couldn't be there because he lives in Hawaii. Um, oh wow! Uh, with Jim Potenza, um, and they both live in Hawaii. They live in the same apartment. Oh, okay. And, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know that. They. Uh, they. Yeah, Jim moved there a while ago, um, and then Tom just needed to uh, GTFO, uh, and so he. Hawaii's a good place to, yeah. to GTFO <laughs> yeah. too, right? And uh, it is in fact the furthest place that is still uh, uses the same currency. That's true. Um, and so he lives there wow. now, and um, like I you know, uh, FaceTimed with him at the reunion and it's five hours earlier yeah. there. And like, he was just sitting there around the apartment, you know, in his underwear. <laughs> and he's like, this is great. I don't, I don't, yeah. I can't hear anything. Yeah. I, just like, it's the middle of the day and I, you know, I'm not there. Um, and that's pretty much what it was. It's like, Oh, we have to come all the way. I wasn't going to go. And then Liz Lux, uh, was like, Hey, are you going to this thing? And I, literally said i will go if you go yeah but you know sure and so we went and was it like did it freak you out at all knowing no. knowing that you think about death <laughs> uh, no actually it didn't oh that's um, good because like i said they had uh booze oh so there you um, go yeah all right um which i don't i don't drink really uh yeah so i but i it was probably uh, but most of that has to do with the fact that uh, liquor costs money, and it does. Um, I've heard. Uh, have you never uh, drank? I I barely drink. Like I think I've never cared enough to get like medically tested for it. But I honestly do think that I might have some kind of allergy or something because every time, even when I was super young, and everyone's like, "Oh, drink is the best thing ever," you yeah. know, like I'd go out to a stupid party and I can have one or two beers and i literally get like a migraine i don't even go i there's none of the fun for me like i don't get buzzed off of that i'm just like why do i feel like shit yeah and if i have it's really really bad with the red wine that's Uh the worst but uh like strangely enough like super hard liquors i'm like this is kind of nice but like regular stuff that people drink in excess yeah kills me like i literally just have a headache and i need to lay down for a day so i never got i never got addicted to the right. fun parts of it. Yeah. So I was just like, you guys are, are acting like idiots and I'm not. And you just spent a bunch of money and I didn't. So I yeah. think I win, you know. Weirdly enough, that like. Uh, also, I don't like losing control because I'm an anxious person. There, that that yeah. specifically is why I don't drink. Yeah. Because. It freaks me out. I. 
only have so much time left and like <laughs> if i'm gonna spend any of it you know uh inebriated or like not thinking clearly like that's just wasting time it's you know? true um that being said i uh like the taste of gin and tonic oh yeah um and I like lime a lot, so there was um, there was a lot of that, and I <laughs> <laughs> and so I drank a lot of it, and because okay. it was free, and I was not only not paying Ignatius, I was taking money away. From <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's even better. That's yeah. the tastiest gin. <laughs> <laughs> Is the gin you steal from your high school, right? And then break into the music room and play the drums until. That's awesome. Yeah. That's that's so awesome. Um, what were we talking about before? This? Oh, death. <laughs> <laughs> death um, high school. So that'd be good high school. Death high school. Death high school. I'm sure it's yeah. an anime by now. Probably. Um, uh, yeah, like the the only way to get out of it is to um, to shock yourself out of it. Really, that's mm. what I found. And if you're starting to get into it, um, there's various different uh breathing mm-hmm. techniques that you can do um i was taught a while ago uh to do uh four seven eight breathing mm-hmm. yeah um where you breathe in for four seconds and then you hold it for seven seconds and mm-hmm. then you exhale for a full eight seconds and that's the only one that i've tried but also that's the only one that i've found that works mm-hmm. you know um and so i i am sort of a um a counselor to a lot of people, a lot of friends, mm-hmm. like, uh, um, because of, I don't know, like, I think because of the, the teachings of Jim, where I just sort of think about things in a sort of a, like, a slower way or something, like, hmm. just sort of thinking about everything and how everything has a place and how everything, uh, the, you know, there's room for everyone and, sure. like, it, um, people have and tend to come to me um, uh, and I probably through not wanting to deal with my own stuff uh, have acted as sort of a, like a therapist sometimes absolutely um, absolutely and I think that the most the, the best uh, the most the best um, <laughs> therapist type folks are usually the ones who themselves are walking that type of path right like yeah. those people who are the most messed up to me generally make the best counselors because they know they empathize automatically like with like what you're going through if you come to someone and say like i'm really messed up and i know it's not rational but it's affecting me emotionally like if someone's never had some kind of dread that's so deep like you know you're crazy you know you're acting crazy but you also know that it's real to you like if you've never been through that how could you possibly empathize the same way right. as someone who does know what that's like you know oh okay we're gonna take a break okay we are back nature called and yes. we answered um we were talking about death yeah. <laughs> in high school death in high school um as as one does sure um and um yeah so so therapist type people um yeah um, you feel like you uh, are one for some of your friends. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, I, I definitely get that from um, from the the work that I do too. Um, do you ever feel like do you ever feel like a fraud? Hmm. If if people are like, "Hey, no, I'm messed up," and then in your brain you're like, "Oh God!" But what does it all mean? Uh, <laughs> not in that way. Really? That's good. No, that's good. Um, and part of how I get around feeling like a fraud is. Um, by admitting that I feel like a fraud there you go as yeah. often as I can like there you go um, in the work I do I build puppets um, and there's a lot of times when I feel like everything I'm doing is shit and hmm. it's you know why am I doing this and I have been doing it long enough to know that that's usually right before everything gets fixed and everything mm-hmm. is, you know, uh, everything starts turning around. Terrible rehearsal. Good show. Right. Um, great first show, terrible second show. Usually. Yeah. Um, uh, the worst is when you have a terrible rehearsal and then a terrible show. And then and you're like, yeah, what, what now? Uh, good right. after party. Well, maybe, <laughs> But for us, uh, the after party is usually stuffing the entire cast into five duffel bags and then <laughs> getting in our terrible cars and yeah. going home. Yeah. Um, to your tears and failure. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember the when I did uh, my show for the first time. Uh, it was right after Maggie was born. Mm-hmm. Possibly right before. Um, uh and we had plan- been planning this for, you know, a month or whatever. And, mm-hmm. like, uh, we got a big audience and, mm-hmm. like, everybody came. And then I was feeling really high, you know, uh, from it. And then I went home and, like, I get home and, I'm like, hey, I had this great show or whatever. And my wife is like, that's fantastic. I, I, my feet hurt. And <laughs> I, this, I just want this baby out of me. Yeah. And like, it's terrifying. And you have to do the dishes and not, right. you have to do the dishes, but like, can you please, can you please do yeah. the dishes? And, uh, cause she would never say you have to do the dishes. Right. Sure. I want her to say you have to do the dishes, but that's only because I want somebody to direct me. Cause I'm tired, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, so death, um, <laughs> well, and also the opposite, of yeah. that like how cool because i don't have like i get told all the time by like parents of my students you know like and this is super sweet and not deserved but i remember um so mother's day just happened mm-hmm. and um a, a, a mom of one of my students you know is dropping off one of my students for a private lesson here at my house um and she's like happy mother's day and i'm like um <laughs> i'm not a mom and she's like oh mike please like she's like she's like oh, wow. she's like to so many of, that's really nice yeah and she said like to so many of these kids like you are and this was a mom of a kid and she's like to my kid you're like second mom like that's what you are that's like, just so yeah. great and I'm like and that makes me you know that kind of stuff like you know what do you say to that first right. of all and yeah. secondly like it really makes me think you know and makes me like get over my own bullshit for a second and yeah. be like oh okay I guess what I'm doing kind of makes a difference you know but i don't have my own biological kids i have animals and a thousand other people's kids yeah um but you are a dad Mm -hmm. um and so how i want to ask you like how how cool is it that you run a puppet company and you have a little kid of your own 
to interact with those puppets. Like that must be literally like the dream, right? Um, or is it? How? What is it that like? What is that like? It. First of all, the fact that I run a puppet company feels to me like a misnomer because okay. I feel like I build puppets. Well, your name's on the company. It is. Um, and, but it's, it's me. It's not like, uh, there are times when I have a whole lot of work to do when I bring in a couple people, you know, Sure. um, but to your actual question, instead of picking apart the question, um, yeah, do whatever you want with it. Um, <laughs> it is when we were about to have Maggie. Mm-hmm. I got really excited because I was going to finally just put the puppets away. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And be like, I don't have to do this anymore. I can just be a dad. You know, hmm. I can just like, I can let, and that's probably out of, you know, laziness. Um, <laughs> like I can just, like have this one thing to do and sure. then the so i didn't have them out for a while uh hmm. and we had just done um we had just done two of uh two episodes of my show mm-hmm. um and i was like great you know this is going to be a good opportunity maybe i won't come back to it maybe like i had already set up my uh partner to take over for me oh, and, wow. you know play my character um uh-huh. And, um, and then the photographer that came to, to shoot her announcement pictures, um, took us out to the park. We mm-hmm. went across the street from this beautiful park. And so we were shooting there and mm-hmm. he was like, uh, so, um, uh, where are the puppets guy? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? He said, yeah, I mean, it's baby. You gotta have just, it'll be cute with the puppets. Sure. I was like, all right. They keep so, pulling me back in. Right, exactly. Yeah, it <laughs> felt like that. Yeah. And, um, I, so we did that. And then, like, I, I just kept doing it just because they, they were there. And, you know, like, I, yeah. I was fooling myself into thinking that I could stop. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, your art becomes your addiction yeah, and part exactly. of your identity. And um, to the question of how cool is it that she is, you know, like the target audience at, yeah. uh, to a certain extent. Um, it's great, but only because I have created her reality mm-hmm. where like, you know, she'll be at she'll be sitting there at dinner. It happened a while ago where, and it's not just with my characters, it's with like, you know, Muppets and all these different, but like she was eating, uh, about a year ago or something. And she's watching TV. Um, and we're sitting there on our phones eating, you know, um, which is terrible, but, uh, is reality. Uh, and all of a sudden she just goes, Fozzie, (laughs) 
and I didn't know who she was talking to. And suddenly I realized that she was talking to me, or not me, but... Um, Fozzie Bear. Fozzie Bear. And I looked at my wife, and she was like... You've done this. You have done this. <laughs> I don't know why you're looking at me. <laughs> and so I was just like, yes. <laughs> what is it? That I'm trying to eat. <laughs> and she was like, why are you on the end of my fork? Because <laughs> she has, you know, Muppet silverware because. Of course you do. In yeah. your household, why would yeah. you not? Um, and part of my relationship with her is that I don't glorify the puppets and i don't like if she's talking to them and i'm having a bad day the puppets are having a bad know, day having a bad day so like that's pretty cool Fozzie was just like i, I don't know I, they put me on the end of the fork i, I just want to eat you know <laughs> it's marketing <laughs> it's just marketing <laughs> you know and like but that happens all the time like uh, now we uh every morning we have to do Muppet Labs because she's like you know I, I want Bunsen and Beaker and I'm like uh, well, right. damn it <laughs> yeah exactly like what did I do um, but that's the same as any interaction I've ever had with pretty much anybody who doesn't know me past a certain level mm. like they'll walk up to me at a party or something and they'll be like hey I thought of you the other day and I'll be like Muppets Bare Naked Ladies Mash or you know, uh, at least you're not known as like the the you know the crazy guy that streaks down the street every week or something. Like that. You know, what I mean, like it's sure. a cool thing to be known for. Yeah, it's not like you're that guy that beats women. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Again, if you're gonna do that, you have to find somebody who is into that. Right. It's exactly know? right. Right. If you're, you know, like that's you know. It's it, it's a cool thing to be known for, and although it, uh, you know, I get that you know, I from the time that I kind of came out of my shell, yeah, about eighteen or twenty years old or whatever the hell it was when I started admitting to myself like, hey, maybe I'm actually a performer, even though I so, don't yeah, want to like, be. Why did you hide for so long? Oh my god! Um, Not to derail completely what you. Were no, saying. no, 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 no. Um, the short answer is because I was scared, uh-huh. um, and the long answer is because you yeah were- like that right. It'll take me a long time <laughs> to say scared. Um, it, it, it was a combination of like music and the arts was something that I had relegated to um, a status that was not of me. Mm-hmm. So I was so my parents. I'm certain did their best and I'm pretty sure one of them listens to this podcast. So there's a limit to what What I, what I'm going to say, but, um, but I was the first kid. So I wasn't the baby. I was the opposite. I was the older sibling. And so like your parents make all their mistakes with the first one, you know what I mean? And my parents are very high functioning, intelligent doctors. Mm -hmm. And so, I think the whole plan was let's make another us, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, cause that would be good, you yeah. know? So, but I didn't turn out like them. Right. I wasn't like them, um, where they were book smart in math and science. And they were really into that. I, I've never, never, even when I was right. a little kid, I was like, this math is boring. Science is boring. Let me draw something. Yeah. So first it was visual art. And for a long time, it was only visual art. And then when I got better at uh, language, it became visual art and writing. 
And then um, as it went on, I added music to that. But um, music was yet another thing that my parents just threw me into. And they didn't ask me my opinion. So basically, my grandfather was a jazz pianist, Hmm. um, super accomplished jazz pianist, who also was an alcoholic and a mess. But anyways, um, my parents decided I turned like five or six and they were like, that's when little kids start piano. So you're going to start piano. And I was like, I don't. Okay. Yeah. But that was always my grandfather's thing. See, so my problem was, um, and still is, is I have the artist, um, I have grass is always greener syndrome. Sure. And I have comparison dysphoria. (laughs) So like I look at any other artist in the whole world and I'm like, wow, they're doing great shit. And I like, it's really, it's really easy for me to be, um, like a nurturer and a mother hen type, and a, and I think it's part of what makes me a good teacher is that I I really have no problem saying other people's stuff is great. I have no problem giving praise, um, and I have no problem being authentic about that. I really do like I really love seeing how people's brains work, and I see their creative process, and I really love that. But I have a really hard time seeing it myself. Yeah. So anything that I make, I'm like this is bullshit, and anything anyone else makes, I put on this like marble Roman pedestal where it's like the best thing that's ever been. You know. Yeah. Um. And that started really young because, like, my parents threw me in front of my grandfather, who was, like, an alcoholic and angry all the time, sure. not really a teacher. But uh, also a brilliant piano but player. But also a brilliant piano. So I'd be at my grandparents' house and hear this wonderful music upstairs that he was playing on his, like, 1950s upright, you know, yeah. playing beautiful, like, and I was just like, that's incredible. It sounds like the radio. Like, I, I, who am I? I'm six years old, you know? And but then, then when you went up there to, to like, bang around on the piano, he probably, being the being the reality like being the alcoholic and the angry he was angry you know, he like probably yelled at you and right. to get off his piano right and and yet he was my first teacher right. so there's this weird dynamic there where he was my grandfather i was already scared of him because of all the aforementioned problems mm. but but he was also my grandfather but he right. was also my first teacher yeah so <laughs> thankfully <laughs> thankfully my parents got me out of that relationship and yeah. i then i had a series of other teachers growing up um, and it's actually because of because of one of them, because of my teacher um, in that I had in high school, that I'm still a musician. Um, at at where we went? No, 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 no. Like I took lessons outside of school. Okay, I yeah. couldn't deal with the teachers at their school. Yeah, I didn't know any. Like there no. was only Mr. Racino. No, 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 I don't, no. You know, I didn't have any particular problems. But again, I was so shy and whatever. I didn't want. Sure, I, I yeah. didn't. I didn't want. I couldn't do creative things in front of people I actually knew oh, back of course. then. Yeah, yeah. So I took lessons outside of our our school, and it's because of the guy that um, was my teacher happened to be my piano teacher then that I'm still doing what I'm doing today because he was the only adult at that period of my life that I could actually talk to and be like, I'm upset with this thing. I don't want to do what everyone else was doing. Is he still alive? Oh God, yeah. Does yeah. he know all this? I t- I've told him. Okay. Yeah. Good. I've told him many times, and it meant a lot to me that I got to tell him. That it, I, it probably meant a lot to him too. I, yes, he, <laughs> uh, he. Well, I mean, I'm not knowing who it was, you know. Not no, no, he's he's know. um, <laughs> he's a he's a brilliant guy. He's not the best socially. Sure. So, so you probably couldn't read it, right? I th- but I'm sure. I think somewhere inside. Yeah. No. No. I. 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 I hope. I hope it did. Um. I hope it does, and I hope that he knows. Um. And every time I don't see him that often um, anymore, obviously. But like any time I see 
a thing about because um, he still directs ensembles and stuff in sure. the city. So anytime I see anything online, I like repost it. I'm like, this is the guy. Like if anyone yeah. th- thinks that I do anything great, it's because of this guy. And I will always, always, always give him that credit. Yeah. Because um, he deserves it. But you could have him teach at your school. I could. He wouldn't like. <laughs> I think I'm a very different teacher than he is in some ways. Yeah. Um, um, he's he's 100% classical. Okay. And I, nowadays I'm like everything, but mostly music, okay. theater, and rock and pop and stuff. So he'd probably be like, what is this? But whatever. Anyways. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah. Um, so anyways, you asked why did I hide? Well, it was because... Music was, again, one of those things that I was kind of, quote, forced to do, right? Yeah. So I, I viewed it as like, oh, that's my mom's thing. It's my dad's thing. It's not my thing. Right. And it wasn't, it really was not until this teacher, whose name is Gerald Rizzer, by the way, um, it wasn't until he was like, well, what do you like? And it yeah. literally blew my fucking mind. It was like the Death Star exploding. Because <laughs> um, he was like, well, okay, I see that you're talented, but I see that you are having a problem like what's the problem like he he literally was just like the first adult was like what is the what is your issue (laughs) like what is your problem and my problem was um because i had this comparison problem with everyone else like i could not practice and do the same pieces that kids my age were doing if i knew someone else who was playing a piece i would constantly compare my performance to theirs and so i was just like look i have to go outside the box like if i'm going to stay in piano if i'm going to stay in music i got to find my own way yeah because i cannot do what other people are doing i just couldn't i wish i could i couldn't and he was like cool then find some music that you like yeah and literally changed my whole life that's good because i was like oh okay and then i did and then i kept doing that forever and ever and ever and that's here i am yeah creating my own music right because it's no one else's you know um and so i've had a hard time the hardest thing for me is to um like it, like in my school like we do all original stuff because like I would never want to do I I don't want my students to do like the music man there's nothing wrong with music man or anything but like but it's been it, done a right. bunch of times that's been done a bunch of times and then what what I see in kids is the same thing that happened to me whereas like they're just going to karaoke it right they're not going to feel as much as they feel when like I write a character for them that was written for them that was based on their ideas that that we came up with together the story that we're telling that means something it's also uh, in sort of a um, a mercenary way on your part uh, (laughs) it it's going to get more out of them oh absolutely it's going to get oh, a better yeah. product yeah absolutely absolutely um and you know and not that you're thinking about it in a mercenary way but like it's it's definitely going to use them better yes you know yeah well i think about it in i try to think about it in like a holistic um educational and humanitarian way yeah. honestly yeah like i think you know if i call myself if if i call what i do a school then I feel like I owe it to everyone who helps me pay my mortgage every month yes. to live up to that. And to me, in education at least, what I have found, at least in the performing arts, which is I'm not knocking all public schools, but what I have found in my area is that at these big high schools, um, junior highs and high schools, like the theater programs, they are... Like they they can run they can run their ship kind of like Broadway because they have the numbers right so they can 
have a cattle call audition where a zillion kids show up, there's no way that they're going to know really what each kid is capable of because they don't have the time. Right. Right. And so they cast based on looks, which I think is terribly detrimental, especially to young people who are already awkward and yeah. and don't like their looks. Right. So now you're telling them that they're not attractive enough for this role or that role or whatever. Um, and they aren't really teaching anyone because they take the kids that already have these exuberant personalities or whatever that do really well in auditions. And some people do really well in tests and auditions. Some people don't, right? Some people blossom other ways. Um, So I run everything on the assumption that every, every kid that I teach has the same potential in them that I did when I was younger, but no one saw until one teacher did. Right. Right. And so like, that's what I want. I want, yeah. So like I take them and I'm like, so in my school, we don't do traditional auditions. Like if you sign up, you're going to be in the goddamn show. Like I'm going to write something for you. Right. We do auditions to learn how to audition and get over your nerves and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. it's a practice. It's not like we all hate you. Yeah. And it's like, we all support you and we're looking for the thing about you. That is you. That is specially you. And so some kids get really big into tech stuff and they want to do lighting and stuff like that. And they're not so big on the stage because it's not what they want to do. And what's wrong with that? Yeah. And some people want to learn how to write, so they learn how to write with me. And some people learn how to compose, and some people just want to be performers, and that's great, too. I have a friend who uh, used to – I don't know if she still does, uh, but she used to direct uh, with the Elmhurst Children's Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a couple of years there where there was one kid named Phil mm-hmm. who all he wanted to do was be put in a sack and be dragged across the stage. I mean, and, and so live your truth, so they, Phil. Like, so every so they show, a, a fill in a bag character every show, so they, this kid could get dragged across the stage, I, wriggling in a bag. I and, really hope that this kid uh, has cornered fillinabag.com dot com, so when he gets older, he can market this. And it was great because, like, uh, uh, she used and uses every kid to their potential for what they're going to do in that you know in that show right um and that's you know i think (laughs) without getting too philosophical i think lots of us we all have our fill in the bag like oh yeah moments right and we all have those dreams that for what we do or for who we are that are that are weird and uh, to most people and um you know, it, it, who knows if there is a a meaning to life or a meaning of life. But for me, if there is one, um, I am operating under the assumption that it is you try to align your path with the things that inspire you the most every day. Oh, yeah. And if you do that, everything else is going to turn out the best of all possible worlds, the best that you could have made it for yourself, you know? I was just uh, talking to... Um my wife about this last night like um we were watching uh this history channel um show on mm-hmm. like early pioneers and and like daniel boone mm-hmm. uh fortifying this fort that he was in because mm-hmm. he knew that these native americans were coming and whatever and mm-hmm. uh it made me remember the scene in three amigos mm-hmm. where like uh, uh el guapo and his men were coming to like take down the village and mm-hmm. Uh, the the amigos turn to to the villagers and say, "What is it this town does really well?" <laughs> and they go, "We can sew." And so, like, they, 
that's how they saved the town yeah. is just by making all these you know yeah. uh, duplicate amigo yeah. costumes yeah. and like it was played for comedy but like that is how you get through life is right. what do you already do really well right well i uh make voices and puppets and sure write music and sure. uh, draw stuff sure so that's how i'm gonna make money and to live to well to support my cell phone and adobe habit <laughs> you know but uh and also, one of the other things that Jim Henson always said was, and all of the entertainment that I have consumed and uh, stuck to has sort of surrounded this same philosophical uh, point of view, which is, if you are talented, mm -hmm. surround yourself with people who are more talented than you. Yeah. And... Like, if you, uh, if you want to succeed, mm -hmm. surround yourself with people who are smarter than you, mm. and then surround yourself with people who are smarter than you and disagree with you, mm -hmm. and then you know, like, uh, Aaron Sorkin said that a lot, like, uh. Mm -hmm. uh if you're dumb, surround yourself with smart people. And if you're smart, surround yourself with people, smart people who disagree with you. And, yeah. And that's how you will succeed is by ha like amassing a team of people who have different opinions, who mm -hmm. you can get along with, mm -hmm. who have different talents. Mm -hmm. Like, and don't try and fit yourself into somebody else's box because hmm. if you, look at all these people at the reunion like there were a lot of uh you know what people who are wealthy in real estate or all these different things uh like and some of them i'm sure are happy but <laughs> in any person there is like everybody's going to be depressed about something and sure. everybody's going to be unhappy about something sure um, like, why not do the thing that you love and find a way to make that like what you do for for money? Oh, yeah. Now, where I fail is by uh, I spend so much time doing the thing that I have no energy afterwards to promote it and to like get other people to give me money to do it. You and me both. So, like, that's like you uh keep saying that i that i you know run a puppet company uh it's just me building puppets you know well i mean my music school is me writing five million musicals and then a couple people on staff so that i don't literally die well right <laughs> like so i get it <laughs> yeah that's like the life of the small business owner artist yeah um and so it's just a cry for help like right. making an LLC is just a cry for help for the artist there <laughs> please fucking help me and uh, one of my dearest friends uh, is a, a grants manager and oh, wow. I, I said to her well can I mean how do I get a grant and she said is it 
do you have a mission statement? Do you have like a? <laughs> uh, are you in fact an LLC? <laughs> and, you know, are you a are you a real company? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you just put it. <laughs> there's that like there's a quote from Scrubs where like are you a real Doctor Barbie yeah. or are you a doctor like Doctor Pepper is a yeah. doctor? <laughs> you know, like. And then I was like, oh, and she said, yeah, that's why I can't give you a grant. That's because, why it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, once you do that, yeah, come back to me and, you know, if you fit into what we, you know. Yeah. You go through all the hoops, then maybe. Right, yeah. Nepotism exists, but only to the po- up to the point where, like, uh, you can still do the thing. Right. Like, and that's the other thing, like, um, and I'm sure you'll take all out all these likes and ums and everything. No, I or won't. Not. I totally won't. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm too busy running my yeah, stuff, exactly, too. You know? right? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Stacy, uh-huh. uh, a little while ago, I was really fretting um, the bureaucracy of signing up for this show that I'm going to do in August. And mm. um, it, she is kind of running it. And okay. like, so I said to her, I was like, once I get there and I am ready to do the show, I can do the show, no problem. I have no uh, fear about my own talent once in the moment. You know? mm-hmm. um, it's all of this like planning and scheduling and getting all this stuff that makes me want to barf. And she said something that was so profound I'd never like she said that's fine you can barf nice and then you still have to do this yeah. you know like uh, I like I like the first part <laughs> like and th- again that's the that's the thing that uh, that first uh, awoke me to like the reality after the you know like the the punishment is hmm. like yeah I then you'll have to give me detention and I'm still gonna wear this shirt like Yep, go ahead. I'm sure you do feel like you have to barf. Barf. Then, then go ahead. And then, you know. But um, do it anyways. Right. Uh, there was a... The Simpsons, a long time ago, were on uh, Inside the Actor's Studio. <laughs> and at the end of that show, um, the, uh, James Lipton um, asks this set of Proust questions to everybody. Mm-hmm. Like... Uh, and one of them is, when you get to heaven, mm-hmm. what do you want St. Peter to say? Mm-hmm. And Harry Shearer, being yeah. Harry Shearer, said, uh, you're on in five. <laughs> okay. But then Dan Castellaneta, mm-hmm. who plays Homer, yeah. he got, got glassy-eyed. And he said, what were you so worried about? <laughs> like, right. Like, right. it's just this. It's right. Just, you know. Right. Yeah. So many things in life are the weight that we attach to it. Right. Exactly. And uh, if we decide that everything is something to be freaked out about, then indeed every single thing will right. be something to freak out about. And if it is something that we can overcome, then guess what? It's yeah. something we can overcome. I think it's. Uh, is it Henry Ford? Is one of those terrible racists that also had really good quotes. I think it might be Henry Ford. Uh, one of those quotes that's always like, I think it's attributed to Ford is whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Right. And I, I love that fucking yeah. quote, even though I hate the racism. Behind it. Well, like, uh, often t- my wife uh, at the start of our relationship, um, 
said Todd, this is a mistake. Me like... <laughs> <laughs> she said that oh, many times. <laughs> oh no! And then now I'm like, why didn't you listen to yourself? <laughs> um, uh, she said, like, what's the worst that can happen? Hmm. Like, right. Just think about it. it. It's all about the reality. Honestly, right. everything is based on, like, just break it down to the actual reality. Like, in the moment, mm-hmm. what will you have to do to do the thing that you want to do? Mm-hmm. And, like, what's the worst that can happen? If you send this thing to these people right. and they don't like your quote or they don't like, you know, your, your demo or they sure. don't like, you know, whatever... What could possibly be so bad about what they're going to say? Yeah, they say no thank you. Uh, Right. And I don't know if you have the same problem, but I always am worried that I'm going to get somehow get in trouble. (laughs) Oh, I think think everything I write, I'm already in trouble. (laughs) I'm always just like... (laughs) No one's going to enjoy this. And, and, and also, it's going to uh, confirm for everyone that I am the most terrible writer <laughs> or creator or performer or fill-in-the-blank that has ever lived. Somehow, I equate myself with, like, Nero or something because because I might write a joke that someone doesn't like. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I'm... Uh, yeah. It's... it's I think... You know, I think what you said is exactly right. It's, it, it's about, like... You know... If if humans were, you know, I I have a I have a pit bull, and um, he's the best. Like he's, he's very quiet if he's here. He is here, and he oh, is wow. a, the best boy ever. He's sleeping in the back room, and um, he is a total emotional support animal to me. Yeah, and um, the best, like one of the many amazing things about animals is like they are what they are right now. Mm-hmm. And like my pit bull can get so excited, um, a child like it's fucking Christmas morning every mm-hmm. time he gets to go out or every time he gets a snack or every time whatever I stand up or like what if something changes, <laughs> yeah. you know. But but in three minutes he can be dead asleep, and it's because he doesn't have the burden of the human psyche that that overthinks the thing you just did and overthinks the thing you're about to do he just is it just is right now and so when i'm when i have a long day of working and i'm sitting at my computer and i'm doubting everything i'm doing or whatever like you know the other wonderful thing about animals is that they can sense all that tension in you right so like kids too little kids too yeah but like my dog like he knows if i'm upset and he will come he comes over and he like lays on my feet and like, if I look down at him, like, are you okay? Because I, because of course, my my first response is like, oh, there must be something wrong with him. Right. But it's him realizing what's wrong with me, right? So I'll yeah. look down at him and be like, are you okay, buddy? And he'll look at me and just be like, calm the fuck down. Like that's in his face, you know. He's yeah. just like, what is it, man? Like it's just this is a beautiful day. You get to do what you love to do. Just calm down. Just do yeah. it. Just do it. You know. And um. So many of our problems, I think, are just what our heads tell us are our problems instead of what it really is. Yeah. You know? Uh, Maggie's like that a lot of yeah. times. For, and sometimes we're finding more and more that it's like, uh, as she's going through a sort of a selfish four and a half phase, it's like, 
uh, I will be nice to you because I know that you were going to do this thing for me. Uh, sure. But like, <laughs> she's learning the game. For a while there, it was like, uh, we talked about empathy earlier. Like, she, you know, um, will go out and water the dandelions because she, you know, wants them because they're flowers and she wants them to grow. Uh, yeah. Like, if we have a problem, she will be the first one to try and figure it out. Like, mm-hmm. Guys, guys. Why don't you put this thing over there? You know, <laughs> and it's like we're talking about the Iran crisis right, yeah. here. <laughs> like maybe they could just have a party and then they all be happy. I know? mean, in a way, she is absolutely correct. Well, yeah, yeah. Like and if Israel and Gaza could just be like, let's have a party, right? Maybe it'd be okay. <laughs> and it's yeah, it's the same as as the dog coming yeah. over and you know, like it only knows a certain amount of things. Right. And it only knows what it can see. Right. And so it comes over and says, well, the, all that might be true, but right now I know that you yeah. are tense, so right. I'm going to stick my face in your lap. Right. And, you know. Because that seems to work. Yeah. And also, that's all there is. Like, right. That, that, what's wrong? Like, right. Like, what are you talking about? I, I, you like, know. <laughs> there's a nice breeze. Like, we're okay. We have a, a shelter, and I just ate. Like, what's the matter? Like, yeah. life is literally perfect. What else could be wrong? Right. Um, and I think all of us, especially those of us who spend a lot of time up in our heads because we're thinking of what we're going to create next and what it means and why it matters. Like, I think a lot of us could learn from that. Like sometimes the best things come when you actually empty your head for a second and just be like, what is really right here? And I'm actually pretty lucky that I'm here. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to, I'm going to, um, uh, wrap at least the on uh, air portion of this up. I'd like sure. to I'd like to hear some of your music off air, maybe, and maybe I'll record some of it too. But yeah. um, before we do that, I'm going to wrap the podcast portion of this up um, with asking you uh, this, which is an impossible question, but I like asking people. Um, and that is, what does success look like for you? Um, and I guess another way I could I could phrase that for you, you know, we started off today talking about. Um, we talked about Jim Henson mm-hmm. and you talked about how it's almost like a religious thing. And, <laughs> and, and obviously he didn't live a perfect life while he was here, but he left such a legacy. Yeah. Um, what, how, I guess for you, I would ask how, how would, how would you earn your place on the wall hmm. next to, next to Mr. Henson? Or another way I could ask it is, for 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 young people out there now, like you were, mm-hmm. like, let's say you live the rest of your life and you do your thing, how like, what what would that look like for you to 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 earn your place on that Mount Rushmore, on um, that puppeteering Mount Rushmore? I would be happy to be the guy. Um, clearing the brush away from the bottom of that Mount Rushmore mm-hmm. uh, and feeding the goats <laughs> and making sure that the uh, tourists who are looking at the mountain uh, don't throw too much of their uh, uh, tourist garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, it's not that I don't think I belong on that mountain. It's that um I know of way too many people who are who deservedly aren't <laughs> on there that hmm. uh, um I don't know. I 
I know that what success would look like to me would be um, living in a uh, there's a, a church behind my parents house mm-hmm. they it was for sale a couple years ago and they were considering buying it oh that's cool and turning it into like lofts no uh, it was gonna be like uh, a performance not a performance but like a workshop in mm-hmm. the basement and like um, someplace for my uh, for my brothers to live mm-hmm. um, uh, like maybe up on the top floor or whatever and then the middle part they were gonna turn into a, a like a museum wow. uh, of some sort um, and this is all you know pipe dream stuff but sure. like that I think is my ideal uh, situation to have like a big performance venue that isn't necessarily all that uh, you know um, successful <laughs> in terms of like <laughs> in, in ter- you know like I don't want it to become a Steppenwolf or something I'm sure not, you know but like somewhere where I could have all of my friends who need rehearsal space oh my god yeah um, you know and do i could have my shop in the basement i could like have a an art studio yeah um it could be somewhere where maggie could come and just hang out it right be a latch key right uh until i could you know be with her um, right and i think most of that can be accomplished by just having a house <laughs> like instead of a <laughs> instead of squeezing uh the three of us into um our apartment still right you know right um and i think that's what success would be Mm -hmm. like being able to do what i'm doing now Mm -hmm. only with more money (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh sure but not you know uh, to be able to pay off my wife's debts sure um i for whatever reason, don't have any debt. Good for you. Uh, well, it's because I never had any money to start out with. Um, zero uh, times zero. Right, Good. yes. I do remember that. Yeah. Um, uh, that would be... That would be where I would be happy. It would be if I was able to to pay off what is owed to people sure just to get everyone to leave me alone sure <laughs> and then you don't get your kneecaps broken to just do whatever i want to do for the rest of my life yeah i mean you know what though like that's that's pretty cool because like to me what you've just outlined is 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 that you are pretty successful you just don't have enough money <laughs> so like if the only problem is money then what we got to do is we got to find you some money <laughs> And then it seems like you will be blissfully happy till the end of time. Yeah. And that's that's pretty cool because most people I know in life, at least around our age group, uh, are not are not one major step away from their <laughs> idea of happiness. They are many, many steps away from their idea of happiness. And so I think that's that's pretty cool. I think I think you're almost there, man. Just need to get so. on those grants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or you need like one of your YouTube videos to like go viral. And- yeah, that's what I need to do. I need to actually like make that a considered effort. Monetize that stuff, start, man. Uh, yeah, there's problems there too. There's man, there's you need, problems everywhere. You need a thousand subscribers at least to 
Don't don't remind me. I because I was a partner, and then they took that away, um, and now I'm not. So I know where you're at there. Yep. But you know what? Um, I I think it's incredible that um, I think it's incredible that and somewhat melancholy to me that we didn't speak when we were kids. Um, because all the things that you've outlined are, are literally things that I love too, and that I loved when I was younger too. Um, and so I think that's, uh, in a way that, that makes me kind of sad. Uh, well, uh, but also the past no longer exists. Right. And we only have from right, here right. on. So, right. So, so saying that I do hope that it is, uh, that it is shorter than 20 years, uh, before we, uh, speak again. And I just wanted to thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right, folks. And if you want to check out Noah Ginix, you can check out his YouTube. Where else can people find you? Uh, NoahGinix.com. Uh, Instagram. Uh, you can uh, check out Instagram. Uh, art by Noah Ginix. Or, um, yeah, that's that's my public art one. I have a private. Uh, awesome. One, yeah. Awesome. And you should really should check it out, folks. This stuff is really, really friggin' cool. Um, so I guess with that, we'll say goodbye, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye, folks.
I was looking closely, I would notice that she's dancing towards the bomb that has turned my world to dust. She turns to say she's sorry, but I'm smiling through the rust, cause I can see that she's happy where she is.